0: you're listening to mission lab mission lab from our living new man here's our parents sean and camille brace
1: Welcome, I'm Camille and I'm here with my husband Sean. Hello. And this is our third episode of Mission Lab and today we're gonna be talking about Bubble Boy.
0: Bubble Boy, and girl.
1: Yes, so let's get right to the question Sean. Um, When you were growing up, how many um, non-Christian friends did you have?
0: Well, I actually had a lot more than you did. That's true. Uh, I, uh, growing up, we, when I was younger, we were actually quite active and involved with our neighbor friends. There was actually a lot of kids in our neighborhood that we hung out with a lot of boys. And so we played a lot with them, played baseball, tore up my dad's front lawn, which he still, blames us for today. Thank you for your love and patience, Dad. His
1: lawn does still look bad.
0: It's terrible. <laughs> uh, but uh, So we played a lot with them. Uh, and But when I got older and I started to go to school, which I went to one of our denominational schools, Seventh-day Adventist school, uh, at that point, it started to become less and less of a non-Christian audience that was a part of my friend group, and then uh, getting on into high school more so, and then college more so. And so there was probably a period of about 15 years, I would say, I'm trying to do the math here quickly. Yeah, 15, 20 years where I basically did not have any non-Christian friends. What about you?
1: So you're you're saying that you went to a Seventh-day Adventist High school and college?
0: Correct. And elementary.
1: And elementary. Okay. Yes,
0: I'm just moving in my chair here. Go ahead.
1: Um, so, yeah, growing up, I grew up in um, the small town of Brunswick, Maine. And I moved actually from Oregon when I was five. And so my whole younger years of elementary and high school were all in Brunswick. And I had an amazing... Uh, childhood uh Mm. super supportive community so did I oh that's nice super supportive community uh super supportive church um and I also went to a Seventh-day Adventist elementary and high school and eventually college um
0: I also went to Seventh-day Adventist seminary so just to add that to the list
1: yes yes so I mean it, it was a just an amazing um atmosphere That Mm -hmm. I grew up in, Mm -hmm. but the only downside is that I, too, had no non-Christian friends.
0: And even more so than that, probably no friends outside of your even small uh, denomination within Christianity, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. So I lived in that area for, you know, 15, 18 years and I could not name one single person that I know in the community there. Uh, I have no hmm. connection with anybody that's outside of my Christian faith. Um, and so I th- I feel that's a, a big downside.
0: And that's a problem. Why is that a problem?
1: Uh, because we're not, if we don't know people, how, how can we bless them? How can we share Christ's. Love with them.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, aren't we supposed to just like go and send them tracks and magazines and then hope that, you know, they become a disciple by what I call drive by evangelism?
1: Yeah. Well, there's people that do that. and I'm, I'm not saying that's a negative thing, but it seems to me that that method um, doesn't really seem to work.
0: Doesn't work. Anymore. Anymore. Okay. Doesn't work.
1: For the ratio of tracks that one might send out,
0: <laughs> for all the money we spend yes. doing it, nothing wrong with sending tracks and magazines. And,
1: and what are those numbers, Sean? I mean, because I know you know more specific. Uh, Seven hundred
0: and fifty-three point eight per that. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what the numbers are. It's like, well, you know, when when uh, typically sometimes our uh, community of faith puts on seminars and we send out mailers, what we anticipate is that one to two people for every 10,000 mailers we send out will attend one of our meetings. So, Forgive me if I'm off all you people who are listening who have more experience in this, but I think that's basically what it is. So for
1: every 10,000 tracks, invites,
0: invites, we are
1: only bringing in one to two people for that meeting that we're holding at and our then, church.
0: And then how many of those one to two people are going to stay
1: and continue to and keep continue going and keep yeah. Going. yeah. So I mean
0: the answer is very like so half of a so half. So that
1: method is just
0: It's a lot of money first of all. A lot of
1: money and it's it's not really reaching a lot of people.
0: Plus plus more importantly, now we're not being critical of people who do this. Right. No, no, no. No, no, no. And we're not saying you shouldn't do it, but I'm not sure that's the method that Jesus used.
1: No, I don't think they sent out tracts back in Jesus' day. Well, to my, to it, my knowledge. they didn't have
0: mass media <laughs> and press and ability in fairness. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, um, there is an important word that is thrown around a lot called incarnational living or or mission what exactly does that mean camille what does it mean to be incarnational it means that we literally the word incarnation we hear it at christmas time it means to take on flesh so john 1 14 says and the word that is god jesus was made flesh he was incarnated and dwelt among and us. And dwelt among us. I like how the message puts it where it says, and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Yeah, so, the message
1: has some great wording. Yes, yes, absolutely. If you're looking for a Bible.
0: If you're looking for a translation or a, a uh, paraphrase of the Bible. But no, the, the, the incarnation tells us of a God who came and lived among and pursued people where they were. And incarnated the gospel in their language and in their context and culture. So traditionally, a lot of times, Christians, we kind of set up outposts and we say, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to like put on meetings and do seminars and have lectures. And then we're going to go back to our homes. We're not going to actually get to know the people on a vulnerable, intimate... uh, Life on life. Life on life friendship. Because, well, why... Well, let's ask that question. Why don't we do that? Like, why haven't we traditionally done that? Why is it that I can take a survey of my church members and say, okay, I want you to write down the names of all the people you're friends with that are not a part of our faith community. And I'll be hard pressed to find anybody among my church members, not criticizing my church members because this is the way I was for most of my life. But uh, why is it that I would be hard pressed to find more than a couple people that have one or two or more than that who are friends of theirs outside of their faith community? Why is that? Why do you suppose that is?
1: Well, I think it's this mentality that um, we want to protect You know, I think growing up, it was this mentality that we want to protect, like, our children from outside influences. And I get that. Like, I'm a parent now, so I totally understand that. Um, But at the same time, then I was kind of brought up just what church was, is I'm just going to go to a program and consume what they're putting in front of me. And I was never taught how to disciple and to reach outside of the community besides... Soup kitchens and mm. did a lot of going to the nursing home and singing, which is great. Like those old people,
0: it's what need, uh,
1: need visitors, yeah. need singing, definitely. Yeah, but it's not me doing life with them. I may go and I may do a soup, soup kitchen, you know, once every six weeks or once a month, yeah. whatever it is, and that is great. That service you're, is totally needed.
0: You're not discipling them though, you're providing a occasional service,
1: yes, yeah,
0: and and it's. Yeah. It, I don't want to cut you off, but well, I, I think do. think you did. Yes. But uh, <laughs> Jeff Vanderstelt, who anyone who has hung around me the last year has heard me mention him before. He is not, you know, a prophet or he's not infallible, but he likes to say that we don't live missionally. We do mission visits. That's what we do yeah, a lot. Yeah, that's a times. really great way we to put do it. We do mission visits. So. And a lot of churches I find are trying to get more outward focused, like in this day and age, like, oh yeah, we're going to, we know that it can't just be about us putting on programs for ourselves. We know that we got to go out and we got to serve our community. But a lot of times what it, what it comes down to is, as you're saying, we go out, which is good. That's more than we used to do. We go out, but we don't stay. So as Jeff Vanderselt says, we need to not only go to people, we need to stay with people. And that's what it means to be incarnational. That's what it means to do life with them and show them in all of life what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. But yeah, I would say, and and I get it too, we want to protect our children, which is appropriate. We all need to shelter even the most raging liberal atheist. Provide some sort of sheltering for their child, I would imagine. Uh, but we want to protect them, which is which is appropriate. But we don't want them to think that they are needing to be fearful of the outside world. Um, but you know, to the degree that they are able to, we want to help them slowly learn how to deal with adversity and differing views and, you know, different perspectives in life while giving them the foundation and grounding at home. Uh, Jesus said in John 17, when he was praying one of his last prayers, he said, I do not pray, Father, that you would take them out of the world, speaking of his, his disciples, but that you would basically sanctify them or, or protect them while they're in the world And then he makes this statement. He says, as the father sent me, which, of course, as we know, was he sent the father sent Jesus incarnationally to dwell among the sinful and the impure. He says, as the father sent me, so send I you. So he sends us out in that same spirit and posture. Now, question for you. Can we go to an extreme with this? Is it possible? Yeah, I think so. How so?
1: Um, Caught you off
0: guard, didn't I?
1: Yeah. Why don't you share, Sean?
0: I'm glad you asked, Camille.
1: <laughs> you were just waiting for me.
0: Um, I think it's appropriate for us to always be asking asking God to examine our motives. Because, and I was just sharing this in one of my recent uh, sermons, 1 Peter chapter 2, where... Uh, Peter encourages his readers not to fulfill or indulge their fleshly lusts, but that they would be able to live out the gospel in the midst of what he called Gentiles. So we don't want to indulge the flesh. Like we don't want to incarnate and say, hey, I'm going to go hang out, you know, with with my my neighbor's. Uh, I'm just gonna go, you know, to the strip club, and uh, I'm just being incarnational, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When really, what we're doing is indulging the flesh, and that's in a very extreme example. But there's a very fine line between us indulging the flesh for our own benefit, benefit, and being incarnational slash missional. Yeah. So we need to always be prayerful and asking God to examine our hearts and. Show us what our true motives are
1: Yeah, definitely agree
0: Yeah, okay, so anything else before we get to the last question Which is the same question every end of every episode here now that we're trying to do
1: Practicality
0: Okay, practicality, but anything else before that?
1: Uh, no, I think you covered it
0: Okay, so what's one very practical piece of advice you would give somebody So that they're not a bubble boy or a girl But they are incarnating the gospel
1: Um, Well, one way that um, I myself and Sean have been trying to be not living in a bubble is just reaching out to our neighbors. Um, We have an older gentleman across the street from us who I frequently bake cookies for and he comes over for our taco nights on Friday nights and... Uh, Great guy. He joined us for Thanksgiving this year at my brother and sister-in-law's house. And we've really just tried to reach out to him, bless him, um, along with many of our other neighbors on our street. But with him particularly, uh, and when a couple situations happened this year, uh, one, a good friend of his died. And then two, he actually almost died himself. Sean was able to go over and talk with him and pray with him because we already had that relationship and it wasn't awkward and it wasn't like we were just throwing a track out there and, hey, you know, this is what the Bible says, but it was just really loving and caring.
0: Can I interrupt for one second? Sure. I like to say that life is the tract. Yes, I love that. Life is the tract. Life is the tract. Does that mean we don't also explicitly talk about the gospel? No, that's not what it means. But... Sometimes people I have church members and I have other friends who say, "Oh man, I gave that person a ride and I f- neglected to give them a gospel tract." And it's like, "No, no, no. You gave them a gospel tract by acting by out giving the gospel, them a ride. By giving them a ride. And if by God's grace they say, "Hey, why why are you so nice and giving me a ride?" you say, "Well, because I've been blessed by God to bless you." So, anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah,
1: so I, that's a great way to put it is trying to live our life and we're definitely not perfect but as a as a tract representing Christ um, to our neighbors and just people that we see on an everyday basis as I walk down the street with my kids or as Sean goes running or whatever it may be um, because we are doing life with them uh, right there on our street
0: very good now my piece of advice
1: I didn't ask but yes go ahead okay
0: Um, so I'm trying to, I'm debating between a few different ones. I can only give one. So I'm going to give this one. Um, this is maybe more for pastors and this is not revolutionary and I'm not, it's not original to me, but I decided to take my office, quote unquote office and transfer it to where is it Camille?
1: Bagel central.
0: Bagel central downtown Bangor, kind of the meeting hub for much of Bangor, the citizens. So if I need to do office work, be that write emails, read, study, prepare sermons, instead of sitting in my home office where there is not a chance whatsoever that some random person is going to walk through my office, uh, I will go to Bagel Central and I spend a lot of time there. And, uh, I often have my pastoral visits there when possible because it's, I get to meet a lot of new people and I get to see a lot of other people that I've met before through various means and methods. And so it's a way to continuously develop and foster relationships and just try to be the gospel in the community. And, uh, as I'm living on mission, so that's it. Nothing else to add?
1: Perfect. Um, yeah, so we're striving, uh, just like I hope you guys are, to not be that, be in that bubble.
0: Very good. I used to hear a lot of people talk about how we were always in bubbles, like in college, when I went to a seventh-day college and how people were critical. Oh, we're so sheltered and we're in a bubble. And I used to kind of scoff at it. Uh, but now I recognize that to a large extent, we are so self-absorbed and introverted, so to speak, and insular. And what God has called us to be is outward focused. And I, I, I do think that a lot of people would make that claim because they just wanted to indulge their you know, fancy. And uh, it wasn't necessarily for missional purposes that they want to bust out of the bubble, not judging anybody. But for sure, we want to live out The mission of Christ, which is to make disciples. And we do that by going out. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. So that's what we're called to do. Thanks for listening. We hope you tune in next time to Mission Lab and see you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike. By Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ergang. Follow us on Twitter at M Lab Podcast.